So the thing about Vince McMahon is he's he and you and I actually we are either talking about this on the show or um, actually I should probably welcome our audience. Okay, folks, I told you that we are going to have some bonus content for those of you who actually wanted to hear Pat and I blabber about pro wrestling. So here's our special bonus episode. This is actually not part of the normal chronology of, uh, of Roadside Warriors. This is a spinoff. This is kind of the, um, you might call this the El Camino of our, of our show. This is Ringside Warriors. <laughs> yeah, so this is Ring... You know what? This might actually be the, the beginning <laughs> of a new show. Wouldn't that be exciting? Um, Ringside Warriors. Wherever, wherever, Professional if, wrestling. Yeah, if Pat and I don't completely exhaust our our, uh, our pro wrestling discussion uh, on this extra episode, then maybe this might wind up being a new podcast. I don't know. But it matters not. So, the thing about Vincent Man, This is like one of those built-in spinoffs for... Uh, a new show where they like started on another one kind of like Morgan Mindy or something like yeah. that or like you know they hide a pilot inside a uh, yeah. series to release a new one yeah except this was totally unintentional um the uh, okay so the thing about Vince McMahon is it would be absurd to say he doesn't know what he's doing um the the kind of the general cons- well, it would be absurd to say he doesn't know what he's doing but he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. It's kind of like, you know, it's it's one of those things. I would say if he does not have a star, then he flounders. So do you describe, it's, it's kind of a general art question, is do you describe a great storyteller as somebody who can just, you know, always make something work? Or do you describe a great storyteller as someone who works with, who does phenomenally well within a very specific type of story? You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's tough. Like, I I think that in general, Vince McMahon is not a good storyteller. I think yeah. that, you know, he has to have such specific items available to him for it to work that he at the at the end of the day is not that good at it yeah given a very specific set yeah he can do it but like so can you know i don't know sylvester stallone yeah because i mean maybe here's the thing i'll say maybe because um vincent man is the world's greatest packager and promoter he's not necessarily the world's greatest pro wrestling storyteller because um, you can you can say, oh, anybody could have made Hulk Hogan a star. Yes, but nobody did, and nobody made him the star that Vince McMahon was going to. You know, the problem you have with it though is he's so stubborn. Yeah, him, him being as stubborn as he is prevents him from, in my eyes, even if he is the world's greatest at like promoter and all of this, he could be even better. But he's so stubborn. Right. He sells him like he keeps himself from excelling even more. He well, he's the classic uh, found. I mean, this this is like you know, honestly, we're getting ready to get into business school here. Is it's the founder? It's the founder mentality versus the. Uh, what, what's the alternative? I mean, you went to you went to, you got an MBA. What, there's like the founder, and then there's the person who essentially takes over the company. There's yeah. like the maverick founder versus the guy, the more stable leader. And he has transitioned from the maverick founder into the stable leader. 
and he's still trying to use the lessons that the Maverick founder um, applies to a stable company. But on the flip side, here's the thing. WWE has never been more successful and never been more profitable than they are right now. Um, but a lot of that may just be the consequence of just, you know, tripping tripping and landing dumb on your luck. feet. Yeah, dumb, dumb luck, landing on your feet. Because WWE, because they have a established brand, one of the most established brands in pop culture, and one of the most loyal audiences, even if it's small, one of the most loyal audiences in, in pop culture. And so as a consequence, they're getting these insane TV deals, even though they're drawing a fraction of the audience they did even five years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's we live in the content era, and uh, and he's managed to capitalize on it. But as far as like the storytelling itself, it's never been worse. Because um, yeah, so, so you know, back to what I said is whenever his star is like you know a Shawn Michaels or or a, a Triple H or something, he doesn't have a legitimate star draw. The programming is terrible. But whenever he gets like a Hulk Hogan, a Stone Cold, a Rock, a John Cena. Um, it's pretty much just this, I mean, how do you screw this up? He manages to, you know, make money with these guys. And for a long time, he hasn't had that. And by a long time, I mean like 10 years. Um, he hasn't had that. But at the same time, he hasn't had that um, because he has gone out of his way to organically produce that star so my question to you pat is is he out of touch is he just extremely stubborn or benefit of the doubt is his uh is his uh like his um what he's drawing from just a bunch of skinny guys who he doesn't like because we were talking about skinny guys on the other episode or is it some combination I, I think that it's all on that first one. You can get a skinny guy over. It, it's just a matter of him not being willing to because he's so stubborn. He has a picture in his mind of what he wants the successful face of his company to be. Right. And he won't push somebody that doesn't fit that mold. You know, he's, this is the same guy that tried to have professional bodybuilding as a yeah. fucking, like, yeah, tell, Vince, like a vent. Yeah, Vince McMahon's... Vince McMahon's definition of pro wrestling is borderline homoerotic. It's not even borderline. It's, it's homoerotic. Um, but I don't know that he's gay. I don't know. Um, he's I don't kinda, care. But yeah, it, yeah, exactly. But I think, well, I think it's kind of like, um, it's it's almost Renee, and here we go, pretentious, but it's almost like a renaissance thing of he's not, he's not, it's not like he is, is sexually aroused by the male body, but he admires the male body in a renaissance sort of way, um, which is a level of nuance that I, maybe our, just our culture doesn't understand anymore. Um, so Vince McMahon's, it's kind of like who's a, who's a bigger who's a bigger star, Batman and Superman or uh, Constantine, you know what I mean? That's kind of Vince McMahon's thing. So I agree with Vince on that, is I don't think the skinny guy who, who may be a big hit with the indies like a CM Punk is ever going to be as big of a star as like John Cena. You know uh, what I mean? Daniel Bryan was he, it, and it's one of those things. The jury's still out because Vince McMahon stubbed that before it could could because it was super over with the audience. But the audience was the the audience is narrowed down to more indie guys. Could Daniel Bryan have gone mainstream? You know what I mean? I, I don't. I, I don't know. 
he's we one will that never I, know. I think he could have. But yeah, you know, I I think that you you won't know because like like I've said like we said, Vince McMahon is so stubborn. You're never going to find out because he's going to stop anything like that because it doesn't fit his mold that he envisions for the male body. Right. And so he is not going to push that wrestler to do anything beyond, you know, stay in your life. Yeah. Because by all accounts, apparently, um, I read a report that Vince McMahon's favorite matches to watch were Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan slash Bryan Danielson, American Dragon for you hipster fan fanboys. Um, he, uh, Vince McMahon, Dan, he was his favorite, Daniel Bryan was his favorite wrestler, but he just did not want Daniel Bryan main eventing his pay-per-views, because as you said, he didn't fit his mold. Um, so two, I mean, very, but I, like, it's funny though, you know, because this is a situation where, to me, a guy is, is shorting his company, like, a lot of money. Right. In the long run, because at the time when Daniel Bryan was with WWE and he was at his peak, he was the like biggest wrestler in the world. Yeah, he's like, over like Rover. He, he was he was it. And this guy's preventing him from, you know, breaking through to even bigger stardom right. that would have generated so much for him just because he doesn't fit, like, a specific mold. And that's just horrible business well, um, well, and it's, and it's and it's not something he used to have done. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Because, actually, I got back into wrestling with CM Punk's infamous Pipe Bomb program, which I'm not going to explain any of these things because if you're still listening, you already know. Uh, if, if you're already listening, you already know what we're, we're talking about. But we're actually going to take a quick gas break, not to fart, but to fill up. So um, stay tuned. And like I said, at this point, I am no longer going to provide context for my wrestling uh, my wrestling references because if you're still listening, you obviously give a shit about wrestling. So hold the phone. We'll be right back. So we may not have enough room in the car to take all of you roadies with us, but that doesn't mean you can't join us on our journey. To follow along on all of our road trip adventures, follow us on Facebook at Roadside Warriors Podcast or on Instagram at Roadside Warriors Pod. All right, Ringside Warriors. Um, Pat and I are back with round two of our um, pro wrestling chat. Um, just got done with our bathroom break. Where were we? I'm sure it was um, very... Oh, oh, um, CM Punk. Okay, so I started getting back into with CM Punk's infamous pipe bomb promo. Um, and this is a guy who... He's, he's basically... I mean... His, his body does not fit the mold. He does not fit the mold of, of a Vince McMahon pro wrestler. But he got so insanely over during that summer. It's kind of like, well, of course, I mean, you got to push this guy. You know what I mean? It felt like finally we're going to get something new and interesting and different. Um, and then Vince McMahon, uh, in particular his son-in-law, um, just killed the guy dead. And then I, that just made no sense to me. Not literally. Um, yeah, not literally. And then... Uh, and then uh, they followed it up again with uh, doing the same thing with Daniel Bryan. And in both contexts, I was kind of thinking, oh, shit, okay, the fans have spoken. They're going to listen to the fans. Um, and that's what bugs me is I would agree with him in theory that your best 
stars, your biggest stars, literally and figuratively, are going to be the guys who turn ahead, turn their heads in an airport, is how he describes that, it, or the guys who look good in a, in a, on a poster. That's your best chance, right? If but if, but if you're, but if the audience is spoken, then I mean, yeah, you know. It, but but yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like it's a poor business decision to force feed somebody something that they don't want when there is somebody that already exists right. that they are you know all clamoring for keep giving them what they want that's just smart business yeah it's like what business can you think of where it's like oh people really want this tough uh, shit you're getting this instead well, Deal what, with it. what you're what you're saying, you say it's smart business. It's not even smart business. It's just like it's not dumb business. You know what I mean? Like if people yeah. are buying one thing and not buying another, it's you know that's it's not smart business. It's common business. sense. It's, like it's, it's business. Like yeah. that's why that's how business exists. Yeah. Because um, because yes, uh, like Vince McMahon has to be the single richest bad businessman I've ever seen in my life. Right. Um, because he made so much money. You know, he's one of those guys who, he makes nine bad choices, but the one good choice is, Absolutely. is super huge. But it's the, it's a very circular logic of the audience only likes big guys. I listen to the audience. The audience likes a small guy. Well, he's not a big guy, ergo the audience doesn't actually like him. But, but, the, but they do like him. So push that guy, because if you if you have a small guy out there and he's drawing flies, then okay, you know your points your points been proven. Um, this is something he did in the '90s because he had Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, biggest wrestling star ever. Uh, but then he had Bret Hart, who was not Hulk Hogan, was never going to be Hulk Hogan, but he was still you know doing reasonable business. But Vince McMahon bent over backwards to try and replace Hulk Hogan and with like Diesel, Shawn Michaels, etc., etc., all these guys um, who were more flashy, but none of them drew as well as Bret Hart. Um, so the irony is, is that he had to keep going back to Bret Hart because he couldn't, he couldn't find, or Lex Luger was another one, he couldn't find the next Hulk Hogan. And then, lo and behold, Stone Cold Steve Austin shows up, and okay, we've got the next Hulk Hogan. But this was not a Vince McMahon creation, you know? If, the, if, if, if Vince McMahon were not getting his ass kicked by WCW at that point, then Stone Cold Steve Austin would not have been pushed to the moon. I mean, that's all there is to it, because Stone Cold Steve Austin's bald, yeah. and, you know, he's just not a Vince McMahon <laughs> on, on some levels, Vince McMahon is horribly, like, non-reactionary in that, in that he will not change, you know, anything because that's what the fans want. But then, when it comes to, like, competing with another business, he's wildly reactionary. Or just producing a you TV know, program. He's wildly like, reactionary. You know, when you look at, like, how their storytelling should change on the fly, if the fans are clamoring for something, give them what they want, because that's how you're going to get viewers, he won't do it. But then he thinks he knows what people want and he takes a product like NXT and goes from like a product that people genuinely liked and like it was offering something different than what they were getting with any other WWE programming and then he was like 
Yeah. That's actually an interesting conversation I'm looking forward to having in a second on the NXT uh, fiasco. Because, um, because, okay, so to your point about being reaction, yes, he's he's very reactionary. I mean, he's, I mean, I've had ADHD bosses. The man clearly has ADHD. He just, and it's, and it's undiagnosed. It's undiagnosed adult ADHD that he may, he may think that his kind of spur of the moment thing is a part of his genius. It's another circular logic thing of, I know more, I know what the fans want more than what, than the fans do. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of times wrestling fans don't know what the fuck they want. You know what I mean? No, that's true. Um, Because they were booing John Cena out of the building as he was selling out every building. Um, So Vince McMahon has that. And, but that right there is because John Cena brought so much fucking heat. Yeah. Like, people loved him or hated him. But he was known. Yeah. He does like... Well, and, and here's the thing is you could point to something. You could say, whenever he's on the card, ticket sales are up, he's selling a ton of merch, kids love him, they're buying a bunch of toys. The difference today is that there is not that... There's not the person who shows that kind of uptick. Wherever you could say, oh, this person's drawing better than that guy. Well, to be fair, we went to the fucking... Uh, Smackdown event for John Cena. Uh, yeah, but it was specifically, you know, like you look at the uh, the merch stand, and it was they were carrying merch for like three people. Mm-hmm. They had, you know, you had over a dozen wrestlers on that show, but they were only selling merch for three of them. Yeah. Um. How, how do you know if yeah. these guys are selling merch? Like exactly. Like, I guess you obviously you have online sales, which is going to predict a lot. But WWE does not strike me as a company that's using a lot of data analytics to know, you know, this is what people want. As far as you know, looking at, you know, okay, so such and such wrestler has crazy T-shirt sales. Great, right? But do they have them across the country, specific regions, whatever? So if you're going to a, you know, if you're having SmackDown in Tulsa, are you? Are they actually looking at the uh, the T-shirt sales regionally and saying this area has has been selling this many T-shirts for this wrestler? We should probably you know pump him up in this one. The, I don't think WWE they is the only business I can think of. Uh, it is a multinational, multi-million or multi-billion multimedia uh, media conglomerate that was built from a family business and yet it runs on the gut instincts of an of an 80 year old man who's losing his mind and yet for myriad reasons because he's kicking ass in other venues is highly successful you know it, it's, it's very strange but you have a, at, the, at the end of the day this is a just massive operation that's being run by a fucking carny. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's all it's all gut instinct. I, and, and anytime you see him on a show, like, he is, you know, just, like, he's insane. The guy is, you watch the way that he's progressed through this whole thing, he is nuts. Mm-hmm. You he, can tell it just by watching him on TV. And, he, I mean, there's there's a uh, there's there's going to be a screw loose whenever you're talking about an eight year old man 
who deliberately only sleeps three, three or four hours a night. It's not like, you know, older people sleep less, but he deliberately has done that for years and is working out at 1 p 1 a.m. every night and is working on Saturday and Sundays. There's just, I mean, it's just, there's something not right about the guy. Um, so, so yeah, because um, I, I agree that in theory the skinny indie guy is not going to be as over with a mainstream audience, but as we were discussing a second ago, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk may have had that potential, but they squashed it. You know, they put that candle out real quick. Um, in the CM Punk case, I guess the logic was, well, we're building towards John Cena versus The Rock, um, as if they were mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? You can do both, you know, and then you can make even more money. Um, the Daniel Bryan thing made no sense to me, because what they were trying to do was get Roman Reigns as their next John Cena, even though fans didn't Act- want that. Actively didn't want that. Yeah. It wasn't even like they weren't interested. They were interested in the exact opposite. Yeah, and so like, not only did you... I mean, it was a t- not only did you tamp what they did want and kill what they did want, but then you killed what... You, you pushed what they didn't want and potentially killed that for nearly a decade... I mean, he hasn't really found his footing for nearly a decade because Roman Reigns has all the ingredients for a big star, but you screwed it up because you you gave it to him in a way that they didn't want it, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's finally reached that point now where he is, you know, the a big-time star on this program. Yeah. Like, But, like, what it took to get him there. Yeah, and, and they're doing it by doing what people said they should do years ago, which is turn him heel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Make him a bad guy. Uh, so, yeah, very stubborn. very uh, At the same time, just very committed to the long-term trajectory of the storytelling, even if, even if, he, even if he doesn't know the ending of the story. He knows who the who the hero is going to be. You know what I mean? He doesn't know the long term trajectory of and the ending of the story, but he knows who the hero is going to be. But then, as far as the day to day, week to week, it's very spontaneous. It's kind of like the way I've equated it to is if he were in charge of the MCU, he would have killed Iron Man and Iron Man Two just to you know gotcha throw you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like hey, didn't see that coming. Well, no, I didn't see that coming. That's stupid. Yeah. Like that's a horrible idea. Not good. That's why I didn't see it coming. Right. Yeah, uh, it's shock value just for shock value. Uh, it works in sports because sports is spontaneous. Check you know, this cool guy with a three eleven sticker. All right, bro. The uh, the uh, uh, so yeah. I mean, like the shock value. Shock value works in sports because that's how sport works any given Sunday. But trying to do that in a uh, within a storytelling medium, wherever you have control over the outcomes, is just mind-boggling. A twist for a twist sake, a twist for a twist's sake. Um, yeah. Like everybody loves, you know, March Madness. Right. You have, you know, wild situations where underdogs go on these streaks and beat, you know, numerous high, uh, like better teams, stuff like that. And it's great, but it's also not predetermined. Yeah. Like, you're not, like, it's not a case of March Madness swerving you. Whereas WWE actively tries, like, to me, 
feels almost aggressive towards its fans and how it handles certain events. Mm-hmm. Like they they want to not give you what you want. They um because on the one hand, I don't think that there's anyone on the face of the planet who uh, loves his customers and his fans more than Vince McMahon in theory. But you have to be the fan who loves what he's providing. If you're a if you're an indie fan, like there's certain fans he hates. You know what I mean? And you know, in fairness, Devil's Advocate, a lot of a lot of them suck. You know what I mean? Like if you. If you're gonna go to a show and hijack it, just to hijack it. I wouldn't like me either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he doesn't. But whenever we went to see the uh, see SmackDown, there are a few people there who I bet they don't even know indie wrestling exists. But they were losing it over everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those there's, the, those no, there's that kid like probably five rows in front of us knew every single theme song. Like knew yeah, I mean, fucking he, everything. Yeah. Those are the like no Vince genuinely cares about those people I heard. Well, when I say genuinely, like he's not going to give him a kidney or something, but he genuinely cares about those fans. It's just the fan base is so small. He cares about you if you like what he does. Yeah, yeah I mean, fair enough. Um, but the, the fan base for WWE is in many ways... It is just the cat or the uh, the diehards who just want to watch pro wrestling and are kind of hipster assholes with like a Sunday topping of the marks. You know what I mean? The marks yeah. who it's still real to me. But the but the but the Sunday, the ice cream is people like us who just like watching wrestling and we're shitting on his show. Sometimes, you know, sometimes just to be dicks. But sometimes, I, to be because fair, we actively don't like anytime it. Anytime we watch it, really, anytime we watch any wrestling program, we have an active conversation about how we would have written it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not a situation where we are, you know, criticizing this and just like, I don't know how this would have worked, but I wouldn't have done it right. that way. We're actively like, talking about our ideas and how we think that it sh- like something should have been written which I think you know at least at least we're actively uh, discussing it amongst ourselves right. like how we feel like such and such storytelling wasn't great it would have been better if they did this blah 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 yeah the um, and here's the thing is I am not going to pretend that it is easy because they're essentially putting on a brand new Broadway show you know, twice, three times a week. You know what yeah. I mean? This is a massive entity, and they have to do it in a different venue. I mean, it's it's a huge operation. However, like you were talking about with Data Driven, they apparently, this was 20 years ago, and I'm sure it's still the same case, they had a writer 20 years ago who he would actually use a marker board to chart, you know, chart out storylines, and they made fun of him. Like, they fired the guy because they thought, chart, you know, what? Charting out storylines? I mean, that's that's what you do. Yeah. You chart out a storyline. That's right? smart. Because, um, again, you talk about, you know, being run by a carny. Is, is uh, the people who are writing the show are like Michael P.S. Hayes, a guy who was never a great worker. He got over, but he was just, he was never a big star. And he was just, you know, just on the wrestling scene. And then Bruce Pritchard, those are his two yes-men who are essentially writing the shows. And it's just, you are having one of the biggest media companies, entertainment companies in the world, 
and it's just a couple of doodads who you've had around since the 80s. You know what I mean? It just it's, it's, yeah. it makes no sense. Uh, so anyway, back to the NXT thing. The NXT thing is interesting to me. I will give my opinion uh, about that. Is Vince McMahon... NXT was being the creation of his son-in-law, Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H, was essentially a NWA, a classic NWA, blood, guts, good versus evil kind of federation uh, mixed with indie wrestling guys, but it was sold to Vince as we are going to produce the next generation of stars, and they did to an extent, um, like Charlotte, Becky, particularly on the women's side, they did, but as, but as far as on the on the men's, they it really did not produce the the kind of people Vince likes, and it cost a whole lot of money to do so. And Triple H sold it as we're producing the next generation of stars, when in reality he was using it as he was kind of using it for the adulation of producing a better TV program than Raw and SmackDown, because their hubris was so great that it never occurred to him that that they would have competition again. So NXT became their competition. And then Tony Khan, a billionaire wrestling fan, was like, hey, NXT's really over. Why don't I just make my own NXT? And so Triple H is lucky to have a job because he essentially provided the model for it for AEW. To be fair, if Vince had given NXT the support that it deserved... Right. AEW probably wouldn't be around. Or conversely, he just he brought the NXT model to Raw and SmackDown. And just did, did what they were doing on NXT to Raw and SmackDown. So you think that's what that's how it would have I mean AEW wouldn't have wouldn't have existed, I agree with that. I mean if if he had given NXT what it deserved, then you're not losing Adam Cole to AEW. You're holding on to him. You're, keep, you're able to go and sign some of these other guys and create something out of them. Like, he ignored so much of, you know, the signs with what people were interested in with NXT and refused to go, yeah, go see, all in on it. I don't... Yeah, pun intended. Um, I'm not sure I 100% agree because NXT was... It, it, it just had an identity crisis. Is it was meant to be a farm league, but it was a farm league that the wrestlers never wanted to leave. You know what I mean? Because they wanted they to knew see. that if they right. went to the main show, right, he was would, going to scrap everything they'd done, and that was it. Well, and, like, and, and another thing is NXT was just so much better. Um, for instance, we'll use Bailey as an example. Bailey already had the perfect storyline in NXT, the perfect baby face storyline in NXT. So she comes into the main roster. You know what's she gonna do? You know what I mean? Where, where you know she's already hit her. She, she, they've already told that story. You know what yeah. I mean? So you're just gonna tell that story for like a slightly bigger audience. It's not gonna work. Um, so with NXT, it's kind of like a. I mean, it, I like I said, Triple H is lucky to have a job because um, you go back 20 years or so, OVW, that was a true farm league because, you know, it was... It didn't have a TV deal, or the TV deal was like the internet. So that they were able to produce for like one one-thousandth the cost of NXT. 
they were able to introduce Randy Orton, John Cena, Batista, and Brock Lesnar. Like, people Vince likes, Vince guys. Because yeah. um, it's, it's kind of funny if you've ever seen old footage. It's like watching Compound, but it's Brock Lesnar versus Batista. Like, yeah. it's just wild. But, I, and, but you look at it, uh, to me, you have... He had opportunities to seize, you know, big breaks with some of these guys and refused to take it because he... Because they weren't his guys. Yeah. Keith Lee was huge. He could have been a mainstay on yeah. the main roster. And he just never... Like, he sent him back to wrestling school. I, uh... I think, honestly, I, I'm, I'm of two sides about this because I think Keith Lee was awesome. I thought NXT was awesome. I thought AEW was awesome. But I think what... You know, he's 80 years old. He's not going to change. I think Triple H must have thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to get these guys so over and produce such a quality product, an NWA, a classic Ric Flair NWA-style product, that Vince is just going to have to see it. Because Vince, Triple H was not a WWF fan. He was an NWA fan. Um, and it, it, it's just what Triple H's hubris, whenever Vince McMahon likes, you, you know, your big, muscular baby face fighting big, muscular heels and he's and it's what he likes and it works but triple h was right yes and no because it's one of those things i think if you well it'll kind of be well time will tell with like braun breaker for instance is if you can get him to like a john cena level once he goes to the main roster then triple h just basically wasted 10 years and millions and millions of dollars but the the problem i have is Vince wanted wants NXT to be such like a completely different program, no relation at all to SmackDown and Raw, where these people that are already over in NXT go to the main roster, and he completely changes them. They're ready to go to the main roster because they're over in NXT based on that fucking character that they have developed. What, yeah. Why don't you take advantage of the character they've developed? 90%, well, honestly, 90% of the issue is that NXT, again, it's an identity crisis. Is It was meant to be a farm league that turned into a third brand. Had they, with the, I mean, they have the performance center. What they should have done is NXT is your third brand, and it's an indie wrestling brand. And so that's where the Adam Coles and the Johnny Garganos and um, Tommaso Ciampa and all those guys, that's where they wrestle and that's where they're happy and you have your indie wrestling fed that's that's the anti or that's AEW. And then oh. for Raw and SmackDown, which is you want your big guys, your big larger than life, Hulk Hogan style characters, you your farm league is at the performance center. And by that I mean is it it's not televised. That's wherever you get your football players, your wrestlers, um, your big muscular athletes, and you turn them into Vince McMahon guys. Yeah, sure. And, and you never see you never see them develop. Yeah, and, you and know, that's fine. That's what they should have done. Oh. But t- using an ex, I mean, it was just because I, I mean, the the shit is on Triple H's doorstep. Because um, it really was. Hey, we're never going to have any competition again. We're going to create our competition, and then the competition saw that and created the competition. Uh, Whereas if NXT was either A, a farm league, or B, a third brand, 
it would have been uh, it would have it would have survived. But, and that, it's, but I think that there was a genuine development to that, though, like it going from a farm league. Yeah. To, oh yeah. Uh, a third brand. Because what happened it was, it was here's yeah exactly because what happened was it was on the network and people who watched it were indie wrestling fans, <clears throat> but uh, but the the main roster audience is so much smaller. Um, like I said, it's just you have the indie fans plus the cherry on oh, the sun down top. So the people who knew the NXT people already knew once they got to the main roster. Um, so there was no there was no introduction. So it was it's kind of like, hey, here's this person you already know and you've already followed their journey and they've already had this wonderful story. Now we're just gonna do it all over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that it just it did not work. And then it got even worse whenever AEW was formed and USA was like, hey, let's compete with AEW and put NXT on TV. And so all of this thing, all of a sudden this thing that was never meant to compete with, you know, to be a, a mainstream, main roster kind of thing, is expected to beat AEW. Is it, you know, is this, you know what I'm saying? Like, No, I get that. I just think, you know, if, if it had been treated like it should have been on Vince's side, then I think that the odds of an AEW taking off and having the success it did are less because you're taking care of these indie kind of guys. But because he's so actively against that. Yeah, I mean, yes and no, because... I mean, I'm not going to say I'm against indie wrestling per se, but we were talking before we... uh, got on the got on the thing that indie wrestling is not just you know indie wrestling it's very much a style it's very much a, the show has a style and AEW has managed to bring that to mainstream I still like the Vince McMahon sports entertainment style um, it's just it's been he's done it poorly uh, so I kind of think that I mean honestly I, I feel like this is more on on uh, Triple H than anything. He knew his father-in-law. He knew what his father-in-law liked. And he he just didn't... He wasn't producing that, you know? He might not have been producing, you know, the face of WWE. But he had any number of guys come through there that have been mainstays on that roster. And I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn both yeah. came from NXT. I mean, they were indie wrestlers before, but, like, they're both, you know, heavily featured on WWE. They're, and they're so that's guys. So that's, that, I think, is the rub, is it was sold to Vince as the... It was sold to Vince as, hey, the territory system's dead, um, and whatever, so we're going to use this as... Um, we're going to use this as, like, a breeding ground for the next star. What he did was just um, keeping Triple H is just rape, pillage, and plunder the indie scene. And accidentally create a better fucking program yeah, than uh, Vince McMahon. Yeah, and, and wound up creating a better program than Vince McMahon. And so, but it was not it was not the WWE style. And I respect that. It's, he, you know, it's one of those things. There's a Marvel style, there's a Disney style, there's a Pixar style. It was not the WWE style. And so... Just passed a, a uh, anti-evolution yeah. billboard. <laughs> uh, um. Um, 
So, 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 had Triple H used NXT to produce a a Vince McMahon wrestler, you know, then I think that we wouldn't be having this conversation, and maybe AEW still would have existed, but NXT wouldn't have been the model for AEW. I think hit Triple H tried to have his cake and eat it too, of having um, an anti having an anti WWE brand under the WWE umbrella while at the same time using it as a as a breeding ground for the next generation of stars, even though they weren't people that Vince would ever push as the main guy. I but the big thing to me is, you know, what Triple H did, oh my god, Pacific Missouri is the home of Bigfoot the monster truck? <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, no, but what Triple H did, I think, uh, I got so distracted by Bigfoot there. That was there's a, There's a lot going on. Uh, it is taking everything to pay attention to you guys right well, now. I think... Um, Assuming you're paying attention to us. Which I probably wouldn't be at this point, but whatever. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Triple H, NXT, using it to create a third federation... Bigfoot caught me so it's, off guard. As, as it should. Shit. As it should. Um, um, well, let, let's put it this way. is you, you By your own admission, your favorite wrestler of all time is Goldberg. Not a great worker. 100% you know, star. Yeah. 100% pure charisma. Stain, pretty good worker, but what got him over was charisma. Uh, even though you know, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, super charismatic, but they're not, they're not Stain and they're not Goldberg. They're, you know, safer. <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're better workers than both, and they're super entertaining. But they're not, you know, face on the poster, whatever. Yeah. Let, let, let me put it this way. Is, if it's like the WrestleMania poster, you look at the WrestleMania poster, not that the poster is, you know, the end-all, be-all, but that you look at the WrestleMania poster, and it's like a Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Is that going to have the same impact as... No, absolutely not. But also... Vince McMahon would never give it the chance to get So to we that wouldn't point. even know. Yeah, we wouldn't even know. Like that's that's the thing is he he refuses to let anything progress that isn't exactly, you know, his model. Yeah. See, I think I think here's what I would say is if his model is obviously the most successful of all time, but I, it's kind of like where we started the conversation is what's what's not working. Is his not is his model no longer valid? Is his no longer is his model screwed up by him himself? Yes. Okay. Or there there his model can work. Uh, there's a time and place for it, but he won't let anything else happen. He forces his model, even when, right now, you know, you look at the roster and you think, oh, well, there's no John Cena. Okay, there's not a John Cena, so what does he need to do? He needs to progress and allow these other styles to flourish to keep people interested. 
right, you right. rather than push rather than push non John Cena's exactly because that's what he was doing with Roman Reigns for years is he was pushing like a vanilla John yeah. Cena oh he does a Superman punch yeah exactly so like you know he's Superman people love Superman yeah but well, again one of the things we've always talked about is Vince McMahon being stuck in the fucking 1950s right and the fact that he will not progress past that hence that great balls of fire yeah. pay-per-view that he did like three years ago that well, was fucking ridiculous but like that's where he's stuck he won't exactly. yeah and so yeah so cause like Hulk Hogan was very much the 80s Vince McMahon was never more comfortable than he was in the 1980s cause it's just it's a gravy train you just have this super charismatic guy who waves the flag and can cut a five minute program about pro, promo about absolutely nothing and yet you're so drawn into what drops he's drops a few brothers yeah and, uh, you're so drawn into what he's saying um, so it goes back to what we were talking about is unless there's somebody who's just so glaringly obviously the guy um, he just doesn't know what to do but what he does, and he's gotten worse about it, is he fits everybody into his model as opposed to them being their thing. That's my big issue with WWE right now, is it's so overproduced and so micromanaged, is we're not fans in the, in the crowd, we're the WWE universe. It's not a WWE title anymore, it's a championship. It's, it's not a wrestler, it's a superstar. Yeah, it's and so that's... That's what drives me nuts, is it's so inorganic and inauthentic. Well, he's like in a fucking earpiece for the commentators, right. telling them what they need to say. Like, could you imagine working under those conditions? Absolutely not. Oh, my God. And so using the Marvel model, is basically every Marvel movie, in quotation marks, the same, or at least very similar. Does Kevin Feige have his... Is Kevin Feige running the show? Absolutely. But he'll still let a little bit of into character individuality and director individuality. And just, yeah. it's not the same. I mean, they're similar, but they're not the same. Like, With Vince, it's yeah, all the same. No, like, getting into the Marvel thing just briefly. You know, Thor Ragnarok is completely different than every other one, every other Marvel movie in tone. And, you know, direction but it's still told the same thing like yeah. in the end the end result is the same but they got there in a different way and with Vince he won't let them get there in a different way it's yeah and so and I think I'll be able to yeah I think I'll be able to tie into to the Vince thing is the Thor Ragnarok was well the Thor series isn't working the first two Thor movies haven't you know they've been boring let's just you know throw a Hail Mary and see what happens and then because of that movie's reliance on comedy and essentially being a comedy they're like this is really working and so Chris Hemsworth apparently I was reading a report he even got on the phone with whomever and called them about Avengers Affinity War and he's saying hey guys the things we're doing here like you're going to want to start incorporating this into Infinity War because this is different but it's 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 similar but not the same it's it's different because if it just if it if Infinity War was just the same as Iron Man then we wouldn't be watching the Marvel series anymore yeah. they were able to they they didn't just there wasn't just a wholesale well, they've change they've tailored the stories to the stars that they have in those movies right exactly and and so and actually that's a good point is 
you could look at Chris Hemsworth and say, hey, he's this beautiful, muscular, tall guy. Let's just have him be boring, which he was in the first two movies. And consequently, the first two Thor movies were really boring. And then you're like, hey, he's kind of funny. Let's make Thor funny. And they don't do that with WWE. Like, for instance, Roman Reigns, he's a stone-cold, silent badass. This guy's your next Goldberg. Except he can work. You know, he can work 20-minute matches. But instead, they were like, well, let's make him an underdog like Daniel Bryan. Because Daniel Bryan's really popular. But let's also make him a friend to all children. Because John Cena's a friend to all children. And let's also, while making him an underdog, let's make him the big dog as well. Yeah. Like, he's he's number one on the roster, but, he's but also, also he's an underdog. Yeah, I mean... You can't do that. Like, he, was, he was basically a, an amalgamation of everything that worked before, and then they were surprised that that level of inauthenticity did not work. Yeah. If there's one thing that you can't do, to, in my eyes, is inorganically create an underdog. Yeah. Like... In professional wrestling, it doesn't work. It just, like, I, it happens organically where these guys just, like, become, like, a darling of the crowd. And, you know, you're pulling for the guy, but he keeps losing, or, like, he's just scraping by, and then, boom, like, he has a following, and it's in riots. But, I don't know, I don't think you can... I, yeah, I mean, the... You can't. You cannot create an underdog within the overarching like the systems against an underdog. Um, or, or, or let me re- like Hulk Hogan. The reason Hulk Hogan was became a multimillionaire several times over is because he sued Gawker. The second reason, <laughs> the, but the first time he became a multimillionaire seven times several times over is because despite being six foot five and ripped to shreds, he was able to within the match sell that he was getting his ass kicked. Um, John Cena's good at that. Like, that's that, that model will never not work. Uh, but as far as, like, trying to make this guy, oh, the system hates me. They tried to do that, John Cena. They tried to do that for Roman Reigns. Well, obviously not. I mean, yeah. Vince McMahon uh, adores you. Like, you're his star. Why would why would he want to, you know, why, why would he want to sweep John Cena under the rug? It worked with Stone Cold because... One, you got the impression he didn't want Stone Cold to be the star. He just had no choice. So, you know, Art was imitating well, life there. I think on top of that, at the time, they were operating with a, like, corporate heel model where Vince and his family were actively participating as the heels on TV. And so it gave, like, this different look that doesn't exist now. Like, you do not have that same, like, Vince McMahon heel. Right. You don't have, like, some overlord over the full program that can make somebody seem like an underdog. Well, okay, and that's a good point. You do not have... Every hero needs a villain. And so... uh, But whenever it's... Whenever you know that that the villain is actually pulling for the hero... Um, because deep down inside they want you to cheer the hero. That's that's wherever it's kind of you know that's wherever it gets. Crooked. Well, I, I think that the like not having like that corporate entity to me is a is a big drawback for WWE at this point. 
they need that commissioner level, that C-level guy that is there to be an active heel in front of the audience and have, you know, goons and whatnot that are out there, you know, roughing up the your faces and yeah. they don't have that and what yeah everything that's going on is so separate there are you know all of these storylines and never shall they cross right. like and they need an overarching enemy that is crossing in a lot of these storylines to make it all like one big but the important thing is the big bad has to lose because what was going wrong during the Daniel Bryan and CM Punk thing is Triple H and Stephanie were that big bad, but um, it, until they were pulled kicking and screaming, all they did was just, they used Daniel Bryan's popularity to get themselves over. Hey, go figure, John, Triple H and Stephanie, you know, using somebody else to get themselves over. It's what they do. Yeah. But, um, and so that wound up leaving people disappointed because you constantly see your hero losing. Um, so it's very important that the hero or the bad guy show ass. And to Vince's credit, during the Attitude Era, that's what he did, is he showed ass. He got his ass kicked. He would win sometimes yeah. to get, you know, but you'd lose. Um, exactly, and you have to do it. Like, it has to happen. And at this point, they just don't have that. Yeah. They don't have that villain in place. Like, you know, Well, the villain Roman, is Roman, Roman Reigns. Roman's but... a great villain, but he there needs to be, like... There needs to be a force behind him being a villain, other than I'm big and tough. Mm-hmm. I'm Roman Reigns. Well, now I'm going to squash people. Like that—that's not compelling storytelling. Yeah, watching the bad guy chronically kill your heroes. I mean, you're, yeah, people are going to turn that off. Like, what's his motive for being a fucking villain? The one that they've given him is acknowledge me as the head of the table. I'm number one. Yeah, you've been fucking number one for a decade. Yeah. No one gives a shit. Like. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely cool, but where are we going with this? Like, who is going to knock your crown off your head? Like, can someone eventually someone's going to need to. If you're the big bad, someone needs to uh, defeat the. And, and, well, and so I was going to say is that is so anti-Vince because Vince usually runs a face promotion and I assume you all listening know what I'm talking about but a face promotion is Hulk Hogan's the champion and he defends against the monster of the month or Stone Cold's the champion and he fights against the odds to beat Vince McMahon Um, a heel promotion is the classic NWA model wherever Ric Flair the bad guy is the champion and you have a new good guy who comes in and tries to beat the heel, but the heel uses shenanigans to get to you know win until finally a hero conquers the heel, yeah. and then a month later the heel wins it back. That's a heel promotion. WWF is heel is not a heel promotion, uh, but it is just because there's nobody else at Roman's level, but no one's going to cheer him as a top face. Yeah. So I honestly think what makes me concerned as a fan is I think that the face who is going to knock the crown off Roman's head is Roman. Yes, absolutely. No, that's the absolutely the end game. And it's going to happen next fucking month, or in two months, or whatever. Yeah. That's when it's going to happen. Because, what, we, I'm sure we have something in March, mm-hmm. or February, whatever. But we have WrestleMania coming up. And at WrestleMania, you are going to have... Brock Lesnar against Roman Reigns. And I think we all know it. That's yeah. the prediction. And I don't... I 
that Brock Lesnar as a face doesn't work. And we all fucking know Vince McMahon wants Roman Reigns as a face. He's wanted him as a face from day one, and that's exactly what's going to happen here in the next right. couple months. And is he's going to turn face, and everyone's going to turn on it, and it's going to be bullshit. And we're going to be right back to where we were like two or three years ago, because even if you get finally you get Roman over as a face, who's who's his bad guy? Like who are the bad guys he's going to face? You haven't built any bad guys. Yeah. You haven't hired any. No, bad you haven't guys. built fucking anybody. Yeah. Triple H was doing a pretty good job of building some guys in the uh, lower levels. Probably could have brought some of them up. You know, to be yeah. Keith Lee could have been there. Yeah, he would have been. Yeah, he would have been a great bad guy. But um, you know, Keith, the old Bearcat Lee. Yeah. Like, we made that. We made that joke before. Uh, off, off, Mike is uh, Vince McMahon's gimmick generator is basically high school football teams from the 1930s. Uh. Okay, so talked a lot on our inaugural episode, perhaps final episode of Ringside Warriors. Um, we're now in St. Louis, uh, so big city. So, do you have anything else you wish to say about uh, the things we've discussed? You know, I don't. But at, at this point, maybe um, we can extend this when we're driving back to Tulsa, depending on how how this event goes tonight. Maybe we'll have a lot to talk about yeah. that we want to take off of the regular episode because, you that's, know, that's probably to spare fair. people, we, but we might, you know, maybe we'll be back. Maybe we'll be back, maybe we won't. So this, you'll, this, you'll know based on the length of this episode if we're going to keep going or not. I love that so much because I don't know if this is a sign-off or I don't, or if this is a, we'll see in a little bit. Either way, yeah, let's so, get ready to rumble. 